You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning again. Good morning. Good to see you all again this morning. Do you know something I love about um, the heroes in the Bible? One of the things I love about the heroes of faith I really, really like about them is the fact that when they are, they're so very, very human. They are so very human. Bear with me for a second, Sissy. Gotcha. 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 They're so very human. We can get the idea when we look at some superhero movies or something like that, that these people are completely impervious. Well, the heroes of the Bible are not impervious. They are no more impervious than you are or than I am. When they were afraid... They shook. When they were sad, they cried. When they were happy, they rejoiced. And when they were cut, they bled, just like you and just like me. I want to look this morning at one of those heroes, one of the biggest heroes in the Old Testament, a man who was used so mightily and so powerfully of God, it bends the mind to see the things that he did, to see the things that God did through him were just absolutely amazing. And we're going to be having a look at him in just a couple of seconds. But I love what it says in the New Testament about this particular hero. And as you could see a while ago, it was Elijah is the hero we're talking about. I love when it says this about Elijah in the New Testament. Elijah was human just as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. He was human just like us. Is there anybody here who's not human? Woof, woof, woof. Nobody? Okay, we're all human. He was human just like we are. And yet when he prayed that no rain would fall, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Elijah, you need to come to Ireland for a while. We could use you. Met Aaron are looking for just you. You can do the weather forecast every night. He prayed and amazing things happened through him and yet he was human just like you and just like me. Now I don't know about you but sometimes I feel very, very human. Other times I don't feel as human. But the thing about it is that God uses people, normal people who trust in him and who put their faith in him and who are willing, willingly let themselves be used by God. They're the type of people he uses. He doesn't use superheroes. Nobody has a cape on in the Bible other than the bad guys like the Romans. Nobody has a cape on. And I want to look at this guy this morning and I want to look at a particular incident in his life. Now when we look at this incident this morning, you might go, Erisha, that has nothing to do with me. And that's fine. But you know what? It will have something to do with someone you work with. Someone you live with, someone you hang around with, one of your neighbors. There will be truth in this that maybe you won't take away for your life today, but you will take away for somebody else's life today. We're not just here solely and totally about ourselves. I want to pick up the story today in 1 Kings chapter 19. and I'm going to be looking at verses 1 to 18, but not all the verses. I'm going to do 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip out towards the end of it. I'm going to just abridge it a bit because it's not possible to look at every verse in it. However, I want to pick up the story here. Elijah has just had had probably the greatest victory of his life. He has just defeated 450 religious enemies. He has had this amazing showdown. And in that showdown, both 
both groups were challenged to call the fire of God down. One was calling upon a God known as Baal or Baal-zebub or the Lord of the Flies as it literally translates. One, one group, the 450 guys were calling on him. Elijah was calling upon Yahweh. you calling upon the God of the, of the Israelites. And they had this big showdown. And basically, the long story short is that Elijah won the competition. And after that had happened, the incident that James is referring to here, Elijah also ended that situation because when he prayed again, it began to rain. There was a three and a half year drought. So he's had these two amazingly powerful victories. These events that put him on the top of the world looking down on creation. But you know, we're never as vulnerable as we are when we're victorious. We're never as vulnerable as we think we are when we've just succeeded. Even in sport, they know that a football team or a rugby team or a hurling team are never more vulnerable when they have just scored because we somehow switch off and we think yeah we've done it we've we've achieved it we've we've gotten to the point that we wanted to get to and we're never as vulnerable and in the case of this hero of faith he showed himself to be no great superhero of faith because he had effectively defeated the kingdom or he defeated the kingship of a guy called Ahab and Ahab had a lovely lovely wife And her name was Jezebel. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you'll know the story of Jezebel. She was such a sweetheart. If you brought her home, lads, if you brought home Jezebel to your parents, go, ma'am, dad, this is Jezebel. I met her down in, give me a name of a nightclub. Anybody in a nightclub? Holy Cow. I met her in, of course, you'll be, I met her in Holy Cow. And she's lovely. Hi, I'm Jezebel. Jezebel was such a lovely girl. Not. She was evil. She was brutal, she was jealous, she was vicious, she was violent, and she was vindictive. Not the kind of girl you want to marry. And this girl, Jezebel, has just been defeated by the Lord through Elijah. And she's not liking one bit of it. And she wants to uh, sort out the bold, Elijah. She's going to straighten him out. Do you ever have those moments when somebody has decided to straighten you out? Has anybody ever here been straightened out by someone in their life? Somebody who gave them a little bit of home truth? Only me. Okay, I'm the weakling here. Nobody here has ever gotten a piece of their wife's mind. It says this of Jezebel. We're picking up. May God bless his word as we read it. And apply it to our hearts and souls. Jezebel, what a lovely girl. Jezebel sent this lovely message to Elijah. She said, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them, her prophets, her priests. Elijah had killed them, 450 of them. And she said, God is going to deal with me if I don't kill you by tomorrow. And to which Elijah said, come on, give it your best shot. No, he didn't. You see, Jezebel had something interesting. She had power. She had an army. She had power on her side. She had a whole fully armed army, complete with chariots, horses, swords, spears, shields, the whole nine yards, ready to go after this one man, Elijah. What would you have done? I tell you no, I'd have gone up there and sorted her out. No, you wouldn't. Because if you had done that, you wouldn't be a hero in the biblical sense. 
That's for sure. I love what it says about Elijah. I love it. It's a nice straightforward story. It says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Whatever it was, he seemed to have this way in his life that he was able to overcome mighty obstacles, see amazing atmospheric and meteorological miracles. And yet when this woman threatens him, he runs for his life. You're a big man, you Elijah, aren't you? He ran for his life. I would have run for my life. If Leo Varadkar decided tomorrow that he was going to get me and send the army ranger wing after me to kill me. Do you know what I would do? I'd go to England. <laughs> That's what I'd do. Because you know in the New Testament when Jesus said, if you're persecuted in one place, run to another place. He said, oh no, I'm going to stay here and take the persecution. No, you're not. Run for your life. And so Elijah runs for the hills. Now I think that everybody has someone in their life that when that person barks, they pay attention. No, let's not go there now at all, Michael. There's a, there's a woman in my life, right? And when she barks, I pay attention. So uh, I, had, I had an incident recently where I was uh, going to bring a matter very forcefully to one of my children. And I was going to um, have a little chat, as you do with teenage young fellas who kind of are full of their own ideas. And as I walked into the room in full stride to sort this out, I just heard, I was walking in full stride. It's, literally, it was like this. I'm walking in full stride and I heard, Michael! <laughs> When my wife pulled the lead, I turned around and went back. And I know none of the other men in this room are ever like that. Let's close in prayer now, shall we? And leave you in your illusion. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. But where did he run? I'm going to skip out a little bit in the middle of this chapter because otherwise we'll, we'll just get bogged down in too much detail. But Elijah makes a break for it. Where does he go? It says he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. He traveled for 40 days and for 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Where does he head? He heads back to where God spoke to Moses. He heads back to the place where Moses had a personal encounter with God. He goes back to the place where he knows, in a sense, geographically, where God is. He goes, that's where he heads for, and he heads to, to make a run for it. No, it's not like he made a short trot. He went for 40 days and 40 nights, traveled 420 kilometers to get to this place, out into the desert, to be certain that there was no way an army was going to come and pursue him out here in this desert. And he's on the run for his life. And he's afraid, just like we can be afraid. And he was on the run. Just like we can be on the run. Sometimes we're on the run from external things. Sometimes we're on the run from ourselves. But Elijah had a specific thing he was on the run from. And he went up the mountain. And he hid in a cave. And he went to sleep. And he's afraid. And he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. And he's done his best. He's tried his hardest. And yet still he finds himself in all of this trouble. And then something happened. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? 
Elijah. Up here, up this cold mountain, in the middle of the wilderness, afraid, alone, on the run. What are you doing here, Elijah? I like this quote. I couldn't find the author of it, but I like the quote. So God doesn't ask questions because he needs to know something, but because we do. When God asks questions, it's because we need to know something. God addresses questions to bring something out of us. And then Elijah gives his answer. And I've, I've seen a lot of people criticize. I've read, actually, I've read a lot of commentaries and that kind of stuff about this particular passage. And a lot of them seem to say, and then, you know, Elijah starts moaning and complaining. Well, this is what he says. Oh, forgive me. Elijah replied, I've been zealously served the Lord Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's reply was honest. It was his assessment of the situation. It was absolutely truthful. Yes, the people had abandoned their covenant. No, they were trying to kill him. Some of the details weren't accurate, but his assessment was truthful and it was right. He wasn't just having an old bit of an old moan. Poor old me. That's not fair. If somebody is out to kill you, poor old me is a pretty reasonable response. If somebody's out to kill you saying, I'm, I'm really in danger here, Lord, is a pretty good response. Now, the thing to remember about Elijah is this. Elijah wasn't out amassing his fortune for his retirement on the Red Sea. He wasn't building his career. He wasn't developing his social media profile. He wasn't planning a political rally to become president. He was there to serve the Lord and serve his purposes. And this is the outcome of what happens to him. Lord, I'm doing my best to serve you. And next thing, people are hunting me down and they're trying to kill me. And they're breaking their covenant with you. The covenant that I was sent to reinforce and restore with your people. Ah! Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. So he goes out and he steps out onto the mountain. And this is what happens. As Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. And as he stands there, this mighty windstorm literally rips rocks from the mountain. It's so powerful. It's an incredible display. Power just streaming out of the sky. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The whole place shook. Rocks were rolling down the side of the mountain. Elijah himself was probably afraid as he stood on the mouth of the cave. Will the cave collapse? The whole place rocked and shook just like it had when Moses was there. There was incredible power shaking an entire mountain. A billion tons of rock is shaking as he stands there. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that, after the earthquake, there was a fire. 
What kind of a fire? There were rocks thrown fire. It was a firestorm in the sky. It must have been. There was fire raging around the place. And Elijah obviously was afraid he could probably feel the heat of the fire on his face. It wasn't some cold, distant vision. This was up close and personal. There was a fire. Things got really, really hot for Elijah. His life had been shook. The windiness of Jezebel had chased him. And the wind was all around him. And now there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. The Lord was not in the fire. Hang on a minute now. All this light show, all this magical, powerful, visual, audio-visual display going on in the sky and around him, and the Lord wasn't in it. And sometimes in our lives, we can look at events happening to us and around us. Our whole lives can be shook. The, the foundations of our lives can be shaken when we're handed a redundancy notice or we fail our final exams in, in college or a relationship breaks up and the very foundations of the things that we believed in are actually being shook to the core. And sometimes we find ourselves in a hot place. We find in a place where the heat is really turned on and we're struggling with trial and temptation and difficulty and fight and battle. Or else we're stuck in the wind and it seems like everybody else is making decisions about our lives and we have no power over the decisions in our lives. And we can begin to look at the drama that's going on around us and begin to say, what is all of this saying about my life? And we can become taken up with a very visual drama, as it were, in our lives. We can be taken up with the drama of relationships. We can be just taken up with so many stuff going on around us and begin to say, what's this going on in our lives? What is the Lord trying to say to me? I spoke to somebody only a few weeks ago and they were talking about a situation, a relationship they were in. And they said, what is God trying to say to me? But the bottom line was, he wasn't trying to say anything. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't there. I remember back in the late 90s when Elma and I, my wife, we were going through just a lot of stuff was going on for us. And, you know, um, Elma lost her job. My company changed hands and there was a big upheaval there. I had become sick. There was just loads of drama just broke out in our lives. And we would begin to wonder, what is God trying to say to us through all of this drama? What, what, what is he saying about our lives? Have we been unfaithful? Have we gone wrong? Have we sinned? Have we overstepped the mark? Are we in the wrong situation? And I remember I sat down with a, with, with a Christian leader who came to visit and speak in the church at the time. And I said, look, I, I told him my sad story. We spent 20 minutes, half an hour telling this guy about all how this went wrong and that went wrong. And we had this issue and we had that issue and we had another issue going on. And we're saying, what does all of this mean? And he gave me a two-word answer. He said, Michael, stuff happens. And then he said, can I pray for you? I said, do you have no prophecy for me or anything? Nah. No great miracle insight? Nah. I've just spent a half an hour telling you all the drama in my life and you tell me stuff happens. I'll tell you something. It was the most spiritual advice I ever got. Because sometimes we pay too much attention to the drama in our lives. And it takes our eyes off what really matters, brothers and sisters. It gets our eyes off what really matters. And I'll tell you something. The, Lord, the enemy is going to continually send you dramas. If, you can, if it helps to keep your eyes off Jesus, he'll send you dramas all day and all night. 
He'll send you temptresses and tempting good-looking guys with ripped abs and pecs. He'll send you fellas who've got, who've got these hipster beards and perfect clothes and perfect life. He'll send them to you all day and all night. He'll send you dramas in the politics and dramas in the sport. He'll keep the dramas going all night long. Because it'll keep your eyes off the thing that matters. Because very often there's an awful lot of wind in our lives, brothers and sisters. But the Lord isn't in the wind. There's earthquakes going on in our lives. But the Lord's not in them. And there's fires breaking out. But the Lord isn't in them. We have to keep our eyes on him. There was a very famous president of Spain. General Franco. I'm sure you've heard of General Franco, yeah? So General Franco was a devious and an evil man. And if, if I've offended anybody from Spain who's loyal to General Franco, we'll have a punch up out in the backyard afterwards. But he was an evil and a devious fascist. He was an evil man. But you know, he had this little trick because he knew his populace. And any time that he wanted to do something really dastardly, such as get rid or execute a brigade of people, or shoot prisoners, political prisoners, or wipe out an, wipe out an enemy leader, do you know what he would do? He would make a phone call to the Spanish F.A., and he would make a phone call to the Spanish FA and he would speak to the referee of the most important game that weekend. And he'd say, this is what I want you to do. Well, maybe not him, but one of his apparatchiks would do it. In the, 90, in the 90th minute, I want you to award a penalty that doesn't look like a penalty at all to such and such a team. Normally it was between Barcelona and Madrid. Bear with me where I'm going on this, right? The following morning, the newspapers were full of the controversy of the penalty. There was a big controversy about that. Meanwhile, Franco was busy knocking off his political enemies and nobody noticed. Because they were so taken up with the drama. Brothers and sisters, we can be taken up with so much drama in our lives. Don't be taken up with the drama. And I know this morning there are people here who've got storms and earthquakes and fire in your lives. Don't be taken up with it. What did the Lord say to Elijah? After the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah in some senses is brought to his senses. And I want to ask you this morning. I know there are people here in this room this morning and I'm going to ask you that very question. What are you doing here? Why did you come to church this morning? Did you come to church this morning? Maybe you're new here this morning and your heart is hungry. And you need to encounter the presence and power of God. Maybe you've come this morning and you need forgiveness. Maybe you've lived a difficult life or gone through a difficult period. And you need to reconnect with the Lord this morning. For others I'd say, what are you doing here this morning? Why have you come here? Why are you in Ireland? Why are you in Cork? Why are you in Grace Church? Why don't you reconnect to the purposes of God for your life? Reconnect to the plan. Of God for your life. Because that's what God did with Elijah. That's what God did with Elijah. I love this next quote. It says this. God speaks more consistently in persistent whispers than he does in shouts. He speaks more consistently in persistent whispers. When God whispers to us. We can be busy about our lives. And the whisper of God can be in the background. 
It could be the whisper of conscience, the whisper of conviction, the whisper of hope being offered to us, the whisper of life being offered to us, the whisper of the voice of God in the middle of all of our dramas and our controversies and our troubles and our trials. And Elijah gave the Lord his answer. He replied again, word for word, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He hadn't changed his view of what had happened, but now he'd heard God's voice. And then the Lord do you think the Lord was finished with Elijah? Not a bit of it. Then the Lord said to him, go back the same way you came, travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be the king of Aram, anoint Jehu to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha to replace you as my prophet. You see, Elijah may have been finished with himself, but God wasn't finished with Elijah. Elijah may have thought he had reached the end of the line, but the Lord said, no, I have actually more work for you to do, Elijah. And I love it because what happens is the Lord says to him, I want you to go back the way you came. Can I just say to you this morning, if you lost touch with your faith, if you've lost touch with the presence of God, go back to the place where you encountered it. And when I say go back, I don't literally mean physically go back. Go, go back to the place of heart. Go back to the scriptures that spoke to you. Go back to the situation where you first encountered God. Remember what it was that led you to the place that you are in now. Go back. Sometimes we have to reset our relationship with the Lord. Sometimes we have to go back and say, Lord, what was it that you called me to do again? What was it that your plan for my life was? Sometimes we have to go back and reset. And that's what happens here. The Lord was not finished with Elijah. It's not the last time that Elijah appears on a mountain. He appears on a mountain as well in the New Testament. In Luke's gospel, chapter 9, he appears in a mountain because there's something very interesting in the experience of both Elijah and of Moses. And here's the interesting thing about their experience. Though both of them were prophetically leading God's people, Moses with the law, Elijah with the miracles and with the power and the prophecy, neither of them saw the fulfillment of God's true promise, which was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we read in Luke's gospel, chapter 9, the fulfillment of of their lives. It says Jesus took Peter, John and James up on a mountain to pray. Lads, if you're very, very, very torn, over-dramatized, get into some silence. Lads, we live in a noisy world. Has anybody noticed that? It's a really noisy world. There's a constant distraction of noise. And I'd like to make some comments about those of us who like our noise, but I'll make that another time. As he was praying, his appearance and his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. And then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Don't listen to the drama. Listen to Jesus. Don't listen to the difficulty. Listen to Jesus. 
Don't listen to the hassle. Listen to Jesus. Don't listen to what the economists are predicting about your future. Listen to Jesus. In the middle of the trial, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the drama, listen to Jesus. I want to pray this morning for two things. I want to pray that we would connect again and hear God's voice afresh for our lives. Because I know that there are people here this morning, you've been stuck in a situation. You've been stuck in a dramatic situation. Your drama might be different to mine. Mine is different to yours. Mine might be bigger. Yours might be smaller. It it, It doesn't matter. But for you, it's very real this morning. And you need to say, Lord, I need to hear your voice in the middle of all of this drama. I want to hear your voice. And for others that's here, I want to ask you a simple question. What are you doing here this morning? Why have you come to church? Why have you come in here this morning, especially if you don't regularly go to church? Why have you come this morning? Are you hungry? Do you need to reconnect with God this morning? Do you need to connect with him for the first time? We're going to pray for you as well, that you reconnect with the purposes of God in your lives, just like Elijah did. Will you stand with me, please? And maybe those in Cafe Church will stand as well. We're going to hand over to the guys in Cafe Church, over to Stephen and Alistair and Jules, who are going to lead you down there. God bless you, lads. And we're also going to worship God up here while the guys are setting up. We're going to sing a relatively familiar song. It's Awake My Soul. Speak to me, Word of God. Speak to me. Because so often we need to hear God's voice in our situation. Not listening to the drama, to the circumstances, and even to our feelings about those circumstances. But hearing the voice of God for our situations. Hearing the voice of Jesus who says, Do not worry about tomorrow. Boards of the air, don't sow, reap, or stow into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And when he says, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's tune into that voice this morning. Can we close our eyes just for a second? If you're here this morning, and the question, What are you doing here today? has spoken to you. What are you doing here? And you want to reconnect with the Lord this morning. Maybe you've never connected with him before. And you want to say, Lord, I just want to reconnect with you this morning. I want to connect with you for the first time. I want to encounter your presence in my life. What are you doing here this morning? Maybe your question this morning is, Lord, I want to reconnect with your purposes for my life. I've come from a different country or a different situation. I want to reconnect with your purposes. So if it's your purposes or to connect with the Lord for the first time and that's you, will you raise your hand? We're going to pray in a moment. If your question this morning is, you want to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice in the middle of my trial, in the middle of my drama, in the middle of the situation I find myself in, Lord, I want to hear your voice today. If that's your prayer, will you raise your hand? We're going to sing the song, Awake My Soul, Speak to Me. And I'm going to ask you, let's come forward just for a moment. We've got about five minutes left before the meeting ends. We're just going to pray briefly here at the front and touch the Lord. Let's come forward.
raise our hands before the Lord this morning. Whether this applies to you up here at the front or down there, let's raise our hands before the Lord. For those this morning, Lord, who want to reconnect with your purposes and reconnect with your life, Lord, and reconnect with you or perhaps even connect with you for the first time, Lord, we pray, let your Holy Spirit come upon them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that their connection, heart, soul, and mind, Lord, would be fused to Jesus Christ, their Savior, Lord, this morning. Lord, you haven't brought any of us here this morning by accident. There is no one here this morning by coincidence or by accident or by circumstance, Lord. But your purpose and your plan was for these people, your people, to be here this morning, Lord. I pray, Lord that people this morning would reconnect with your purposes for their lives, Lord. Some that you brought from overseas to Ireland, Lord. May they connect with God's purposes here. Lord, it's not just about building a future for ourselves, but it's about investing in God's future for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, this morning that your spirit would rest upon people, Lord, and restore their hope and their strength, Lord, in you this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, for those this morning who need to hear your voice, Lord, I pray that the whisper of the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to them, Lord. I pray, Lord, even now as we pray, Lord, the whisper, Lord, rather than the shout, would be loud in their ears, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, we would take our eyes off the drama and the circumstance and the situation. Lord, I pray we would not be dictated to, Lord. We wouldn't listen to our feelings. We wouldn't listen to our circumstances. We wouldn't listen to the drama, Lord Jesus, that's going on around us. That we wouldn't listen to what other people would think about us or other people would say about us, Lord. But that we would hear your voice in the middle of this situation, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray your whisper would come to us. And I pray, Lord, that we would have the wisdom to become quiet long enough to hear your voice clearly. Would anyone say amen? And Lord, moreover, I pray for the courage of silence, Lord. For some here, Lord, they just need the noise because they don't want the silence, Lord. It's too hard to face the quietness and hear the voice of God, Lord. But I thank you that your voice always to us is to give us life and strength and hope for the future, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would stop ourselves long enough, Lord, that we would still the noise around us long enough so that we might hear your still, small voice whispering to us, Lord. Even now, Lord, as we stand here, Lord, let your spirit speak to your people, Lord, in the inner man, Lord, in that still, small voice, that whisper that Elijah heard, Lord, which we still hear today. Hallelujah. Lord, by standing here at the front, Lord, we are saying that we're open to hearing your voice. We're open to hear your voice, Lord, whether that's in the scriptures or in counsel or in the still small whisper that you would speak in our ears, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would not be distracted. And this morning, Lord, this morning, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't listen to threats this morning. Lord, Elijah, listen to the threat, Lord. And I know this morning, some of your people have been listening to threats, Lord. 
whether that's threats about their economic future, maybe their actual threats of violence, Lord, whether that's threats about their situation or their tenancy or their occupation or their future, Lord. I pray this morning we would not listen to the threats this morning in Jesus' name, Lord. Whether they be of your of our enemy, Lord, the devil, whether he's speaking to us, Lord, or whether our own chemicals are speaking to us, Lord, or whether people who are interfering in our lives are speaking to us, we wouldn't listen to the threats this morning, but we would listen to Jesus Christ and what he would say about our lives, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as we go in to the coming week, can I ask you, would you, could we all lift our hands as we close in prayer? Let's lift our hands before the Lord as we close in prayer this morning. Lord, I pray that as we go into this coming week, Lord, we would listen to Jesus. We would listen to what you would say about the future, even about this coming week, Lord. I pray, Lord, our ears would be attentive to what your word would say to us, Lord. What your spirit would whisper to us, Lord Jesus. That your promises would be fulfilled in our lives this week, Lord. We would know your provision, your protection, Lord Jesus. And your purposes outworked in every area, in every facet of our lives. And Lord, let your peace reign in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you, brothers and sisters. May God go with you and bless you this week as you go into the coming week. We're going to play the song out. Speak to me, Word of God. Speak to me. We're here serving coffee upstairs and we're here again on Tuesday night for night church at 7.30 p.m. God bless you and go with you. Speak to me.